Here at Calvary Chapel Northeast, it's our goal to make disciples of Christ by exalting our God, equipping believers, and engaging in our community. Thanks for tuning in to this week's CCNE podcast. Today, Pastor Brennan will be teaching out of the book of Genesis. Okay, let's do this. Let's jump into Genesis here. Turn in your Bibles tonight to Genesis chapter 39. We are continuing this evening our study of Genesis. And of course, we are now in the life of Joseph. And this will take us all the way through the end of Genesis. So from here in 39 all the way to chapter 50 as we close out Genesis. If you're wondering where we're going from Genesis, I'll give you one guess. Exodus. There we go. And man, I'm excited for Exodus too. There is a study like halfway through Exodus that I've been waiting forever to to do, okay? And so I'm just pumped. So we got to get there because I just, sometimes there's a word that's like there and you're like, no, I want to teach this, but it just doesn't make sense because you know you're going. And so uh, I'm excited for us to get into, get into Exodus. Um, so here we are in the, in the life of Joseph. And, and here's the thing, if we could, if I was skilled enough and if we had the time, I'd love to be able to teach 39 through 50 just all together because this is one of those accounts in Scripture where, as they all do, they build and there's a narrative that's happening here. But, but to some degree, as, as we see Joseph here now sold into slavery, going into Egypt, there's so much that, that I think you would just love to be able to, and we know the story, right? It's not like it's hidden from us, but to be able to consider everything that happens all together so that we can truly gain a sense of God's sovereignty and his, his providence here and how he's working. Indeed, as we've considered this last Sunday, working all things together for good for those who love him. That's what's happening in Joseph's life. I mean, for Joseph here, and we can only imagine for him in this moment as he is unable to see years ahead, right, to go, oh, Joseph, you, you, if you only knew what was coming, if you only knew what God was going to do. But here's the amazing thing, and what I want us to see here tonight in this chapter is that in some respects, not that it, Scripture certainly doesn't tell us that God told him this, but Joseph is in, in some respects living in a way that he, he does know, living in a way where he trusts that, God, you're at work, you're doing something. What we see in the life of Joseph is an individual who is upright in character, who lives with integrity, who even though all of the circumstances in his life would suggest, dude, you could just tap out. You could just say, forget this. I'm done. Compli- complain, whine, whatever. He doesn't do it. And so as we consider this chapter here tonight, I think for us, we need to, you know, maybe some of you are going through a trial. Maybe you just come through a trial. Maybe you're going to go into a trial. I don't want to stand here before you and be a wet blanket on anybody's day, but I, I can't help but look at what's going on in our in our world right now and, and think to myself, Lord, what's coming? I, and praise God, I know that, that Jesus, you're coming. And so that's that I can keep my eyes fixed upon that hope. But as we look at what's going on internationally, as we see the things that are happening in our own country, um, as we look at just even from a financial perspective, the real estate market and the, and the car market, you can't, you can't, why do I say that? You can't see these things just, oh, these prices are going up and 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 just think that it continues to do that and that something doesn't happen, right? And then I'm thinking to myself, I hear everybody say, man, we can't hire anybody. We're, we're out of, so many places are like, I, I can't hire anybody. And people are saying I'm out of work, but yet we're, buying houses and cars at two times the value. And I think, Lord, what, what am I missing? I told you Jimmy earlier, I'm like, I'm working. 
And I go, I can't buy that. But yet all this stuff is being, you know what I mean? And you just find yourself going, what's happening here? And guys, there's, we've seen it throughout history. And so maybe it is. Maybe it's just a financial bubble that just kind of pops. And it's like, whatever, we go through this cycle. That happens. It's happened many times. But I look at all these things together and I go, Lord, what's coming? And listen, we need to continue to defend uh, the, those who are in peril. We need to uh, fight for the innocent. And we need to, as it pertains to our country, by all means, yes, stand for truth and, and, and stand for religious liberty and religious freedom. But I also, I was having lunch with another pastor uh, earlier this week and I was saying, but man, like if I understand scripture correctly, like this has all got to go away. If, if, if I want Jesus to come, then man, what I know in our country today needs to go away. It needs to be, I, either, either such revival happens that in the rapture of the church, America's just pretty much gone, or the other end of that, that, that our significance on the world stage is, is increasingly diminished. And if that strikes fear in anybody's heart, then remember, we, that's not what our hope is in. We don't need to fear that. We don't need to worry about that. And so may that be an encouragement and a challenge to you tonight. Listen, like, if there's a sense of what's coming, Lord is, oh gosh, is this going to be bad? Is this going to be hard? Is this going to be painful? In some respects, maybe. But don't worry. Don't worry about it. But just know, like, okay, these things are coming. And so then as we look to the examples in Scripture, we need to look at them and go, wow. There, there were people that, that lived through great difficulty, but man, they served the Lord. And God was faithful and God was with them. And Lord, may it be that we can, we can receive that and be encouraged by that and be strengthened ourselves so that when we are in a situation where we have the opportunity to serve you with such character and integrity, we can do it. And so again, maybe you're, maybe you're going through a trial, maybe you're on the other side of one, maybe we, as I've said, are anticipating like, God, maybe something's coming. Ready us, ready our hearts and help us to see, Lord, how we are to live when we are facing such difficulty. Here's the other thing. We've talked about this a little bit this last week, the week before that. Um, Pastor Jimmy's going to be teaching this Sunday. Um, you can pray for me. I'm going to be making my way up to Indiana. I have a funeral there. Uh, my grandfather passed away. I'll be a part of that funeral. Um, he's in glory. Um, he was singing hymns before he passed. Um, in October, he was going to turn 101. So, I mean, he had a full life, right? Uh, he was ready to go. Um, and so, but I go be with, with family for that. So Jimmy's going to share, uh, share on Sunday. And I suspect there will be very much a theme that'll continue. And this is where the Lord has us right now. And so I, I say that to say what we're also going to see here tonight is that Joseph was a man who had right perspective. And so we're going to go through this chapter here and uh, we'll move fairly quick through the chapter itself and consider some of the principles by which Joseph lived with integrity. We're going to look at the things that he did and the way that he did it but at the end, I want us to consider the fact that he was able to do that because he had right perspective. And we'll consider a couple passages then that I hope will help us to uh, gain appropriate perspective as well such that we can live in a similar manner. Okay, uh, Let's begin uh, chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. So remember, his brothers had sold him into slavery. They put him in a pit. There was debate over, are we going to kill him? Oh, let's just sell him. And so they sell him to the Ishmaelites. 
And they make their way apparently into Egypt. And so now Joseph is being sold uh, there as a slave. But uh, as God would have it, he's, he's purchased by Potiphar, uh, who is an officer of Pharaoh. And so he's a person of influence. So right away, we can see that, uh, that, that God is at work, even in terms of Joseph's placement here in Egypt. And uh, in verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had put, all that he had, he put under his authority. Verse 5 So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Okay? So what's happening here? Well, Joseph is now in, in Potiphar's house, and it says here in verse 2 that the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. Isn't this an interesting sort of dichotomy here in such a short number of words? Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, sold as a slave. Lord was with him, and he was successful. I mean, are those, is, is that a scenario that you would typically put together? If you were sold by your family members into slavery as a sort of compromise to not kill you, and now you're in a foreign country, and, and you've been sold into slavery, and the next thing that's used to describe you is that, well, God's with you, and you're very successful, right? Would you be thinking, I'm not successful? Well, I mean, Joseph, he's a slave. He was a slave, Yet, in fact, this is what was happening, that the Lord was with Joseph, and, and Joseph was increasingly successful as he was put into Potiphar's house and was given these tasks. Joseph began to excel. And so right off the bat, what we need to see here is that, that, that Joseph, we trust, had an understanding that even in the midst of great difficulty, God was with him. God was with him. And though we certainly don't hear, and we will later on in Joseph's life, get some perspective from him of how he sees everything that's happened to him, um, we can only assume at this point in his life that these things are beginning to happen, that he is beginning to have an understanding that, that God's hand is upon him. And, and remember, for Joseph, I think it's important to note that he, if you recall, was, was Jacob's favorite. That's just the bottom line. I don't, Jacob didn't really hide it. Um, and we considered that when we were in that chapter, that, that there were some reasons behind that, because Joseph was a much younger son. He was the son of, of, of Jacob in his old age. And I think that Jacob had learned some things at that point. And, and his other, Joseph's other brothers, you know, they had their faults, and they'd been through some things, and they had lived in an area that was very worldly and very secular, and that had kind of drawn them astray. And so I don't think it should be that surprising to us that, that, that Jacob, as he's grown, um, as he's learned more and more, as his relationship with the Lord has grown, uh, and now he's got his younger son, that he wouldn't take the opportunity to, with Joseph, tell him more of the God of Israel, of his God, of t to share with him, here's mistakes I've made in my life. Here's how I would do these things differently. 
probably at times he, he would even say, for example, maybe when his brothers went out and murdered a whole city, that he would say, son, that's bad. <laughs> don't be like your brothers. Don't do this. Don't, don't go this way. Don't, don't give yourself to the things of the world. And so we can assume then that Joseph here has a, a bit of an understanding of the God that he serves, of his, of his father's God and his grandfather's God, this God of Israel. Such that maybe, like we've considered recently in 2 Corinthians 4, that for, for Joseph there maybe is a little bit of a mindset of this momentary light affliction. This difficulty that I'm going through right now is not to be compared to what God will do. Or even like uh, Philippians, what Paul writes about in, in Philippians chapter 3, I believe. <clears throat> in Philippians 3, you know, Paul talks about just everything that he's accomplished and how it means nothing compared to knowing Christ. But he goes on to say, verse 9 of Philippians chapter 3, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Perhaps there's also an element here of Joseph um, not identifying so much with the suffering of Christ, though he certainly serves as a precursor. He serves as, a, as, a, as a, uh, an archetype of Christ in the suffering that he himself endures. But that maybe there's a sense of, 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 of this suffering bringing about a sense of humility and brokenness. I mean, before Joseph was sent into slavery, he, he was struggling a little bit to, with his own pride a little bit. He didn't really maybe know it, but as he's sharing about his dreams, he's walking around in his fancy coat, hey, brothers, you're going to bow down to me. Um, maybe now he's in a place where there's some humility that's coming as he's finding, like, man, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm a slave. But, and so, guys, right here off the bat, I think that that Joseph begins to gain some perspective. But here's the other thing. As he gives himself then to his situation, he doesn't seek to fight against it. Uh, rather, he says, okay, I'm going I'm to pour myself into it. His master sees. His master sees that the Lord is with him. And, and though sometimes in our culture today, being a Christian can be something that brings a little bit of scrutiny upon us, um, can make for some difficult scenarios. I think oftentimes, particularly in the workplace, even though you may not be the, the, the guy or the gal that's going to be invited to the party after work, you may be the one who's counted on to get the job done. You may be the one that your boss knows, man, I don't necessarily agree with some of their religious stuff, but, uh, but man, they're faithful. Boy, they work hard. They, I, out of anybody on my team, I can go to them and, and they're going to work hard. They're going to work extra hours. They're going to do what it takes to get the job done. And, and so whether they recognize it or not, the fact is, Christian, people can see God in your life as well. When, when, it, when our, our faith and our relationship with God affects our work ethic, this can be known in the workplace, and it should. This should be part of our testimony. God forbid that any Christian should ever be considered lazy. Shame on you. If, if, if that's what you're doing, right? We have a responsibility. Scripture tells us as much. Look for a moment at Colossians in chapter 3. If you watched last Friday's five-minute Devo, I talked about this a little bit. Colossians chapter 3. I'll go ahead and read from verse 16 through the end of the chapter. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, 
do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. He continues on to then talk about the Christian home and relationships, uh, including those in the, in the workplace. Verse 18, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, verse 23, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You see, what I think we can be confident in here is that Joseph was doing this, he was doing this work with all his heart, seeking to represent the one true God of Israel. He had an opportunity here to not only just be of upright character, but to represent his family, to represent his God. And the same should be said of us. That even when we're in difficult circumstances, we have enough wherewithal to know, God, you're with me, and whatever I'm going through, I'm going to give it my very best. No matter how hard it is, Lord, I'm going to to represent you well. Because we have a testimony. We have an opportunity to show others, even in our actions and the way we live our life, what we believe and how we desire to live. And so it goes to the point then where Potiphar gives him complete control of his household. And again, he's a man of influence, he's a man of wealth. And it says here that he did not, Potiphar, he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. In other words, they sit down to dinner at night and he's thinking, I don't know what's in the bank account. I just know I got a meal in front of me, so it must be going okay. Joseph, you're doing a good job. I mean, there was that level of trust. Right? And that's a wonderful thing. And, and, and there, are, there are, it may sound kind of funny because many of you maybe don't have somebody who manages your affairs quite that way. But guys, we don't dismiss that as something we can't be acquainted with. I shared with you not many weeks ago as I brought men up before you to stand before this body and, and, and I can say as much. I trust these men with my life, with my family, my resources. No problem. I trust them. And so guys, this, th- these are the types of relationships that we should be pursuing and, and we should find ourselves in places where others would say of us and us of them, man, I trust them. So Joseph was trusted with everything. Now it transitions a little bit here. It's kind of an interesting uh, end of verse 6 that sort of pops up here. Is it says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. This is a segue now to explain what starts to happen with Potiphar's wife. Verse 7, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. Okay, so here she's cast longing eyes. <laughs> Potiphar's wife is saying, you're a, handsome, you're a handsome guy. You're in charge of everything around here. She's making advances towards him. And he's saying, look, look at everything that I've been entrusted with. Look at all that I've, look at all that I've been given. Now, I want you to stop for a moment and think, He was 
sold into slavery once again by his brothers as an alternative to killing him. He was then taken from there into Egypt, sold into slavery once again into a foreign country. He is, he is being forced to do the work that he's doing, albeit he's doing a very good job of it. He's probably experiencing now blessing from that. And now his, his owner, his master, his, his master's wife rather, is saying, hey, I'd, I'd like to be in a relationship with you. And from most perspectives in this world today, they could look at Joseph and you could say, <laughs> Joseph could have the response here of, of, of uh, I, 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 I deserve this. I've been treated so poorly. I should be able to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it. If I've been given this this opportunity, I'm just going to pursue it, and I don't even need to feel bad about it. I mean, truly, that's the, the type of perspective that many people would have. But yet here he's saying, with integrity, he's going, look, I can't do this. Furthermore, the end of verse 9, and here's the incredible statement that Joseph makes, how then can I do this great wickedness? I mean, so here he has a sense of, despite everything that's happened to him, that he looks at this situation, he would say, that's wickedness. That's not right. He has been able to maintain a sense of morality in a pagan culture, in a foreign culture, where all of these temptations are probably ever before him, and he has every reason from an earthly perspective to say, I don't even forget about morality. I, I look at the way that I've been treated. Yet he's able to recognize this isn't right. Furthermore, what does he say? How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? This gives us insight into the fact that everything we're seeing from Joseph's perspective in terms of the character and the integrity and his ability to recognize evil for evil is because he has maintained a relationship with God. He's not basing his standard on that of the world. He's aligning it with God's standard. Guys, this needs to be a lesson for us. How do, how do you maintain integrity and character in a lost and dying world? How do you not start to go down the path and go, well, everybody else is doing it, and, and, and I deserve this. Do you know what I've been through, and do you know all these different things? How do we maintain that? Because we maintain a relationship with God. Because we align ourselves with His standard. We don't lower the bar so that we feel better about ourselves. And we align ourselves with His standard. And that's why we are in, in, in nearly every area experiencing what we are in our culture because for the past several decades we've sought to remove God's standard from every place of life. Let's remove prayer from schools. Let's remove the Ten Commandments from school. Let's remove the Bible from schools. Well, why do you think we're seeing what we're seeing? And listen, this is not a statement. I'm, I'm, this is just because of experience this week. But, and I am excited about it, that where you guys are sitting right now, just this morning, at 8.30 this morning, 9th, 10th, and 11th, and 12th graders were sitting right in those seats, beginning their day with Bible. Praise God for that. I'm excited that we get to be a part of that. I'm saying no more. Not taking our children. He had an awareness. And, and, and this... This is the other thing, too, that, that in this situation, that is, if he were to sin, if he were to, if he were to do this... It wouldn't really be, in some respects, against Potiphar or against Potiphar's wife. He has an awareness that, no, this would be sin against God. The same way that David says in Psalm 51, this wonderful psalm of, uh, of repentance, 
Psalm 51, verses 3 and 4. For I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. And so he has maintained a relationship with God and he fears God and it keeps him then on the right path. So it was, verse 10, as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her. So she continues to come back. These longing eyes aren't stopping. She keeps coming around and coming around. And here he's having to work in Potiphar's house and she's there. And this has got to be an uncomfortable situation. Continually coming back to him to lie with her or to be with her. So finally, she gets a little grabby. Verse 11, But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Some people suggest he ran out naked because it got a hold of the whole garment. I don't know that we know that for sure. Certainly the garments of that time would suggest that maybe that's what happened. In either case, she has part of his garment such that he, he ran out of there, right? Guys, <laughs> as we continue to see the example of Joseph, what a wonderful example as it pertains to how we deal with sin. He ran. He fled from it. He didn't suddenly go, oh, okay, well, fine. You just, you know, you've, you've come at me enough times. Finally, I'll just, I'll go ahead and give in. Because that's what happens with sin, isn't it? No, he's saying, I got to get away from this. Uh, James, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Therefore, James chapter 4, verse 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, he, he, was, he was resisting sin. He was actively resisting it. He wasn't giving in to her advances. He was fleeing from it. Second, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy in chapter 2, verse 22, it says, flee youthful lusts. Guys, if we want to be able to maintain character and integrity in a lost and dying world, we must flee from sin. We must flee from it. And we know, right? We know that, that when we don't, we can think that we're going to be standing against it for a period of time. We're doing okay. Yeah, I'm not running from it, but I'm okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm holding my own here. But what you're doing is you're playing with fire, and it's just a matter of time before you get burned. What does Jesus say? If your right eye causes you to sin, do what? Gouge it out. Deal swiftly with it. It's got to be gone. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So, of course, now she's bearing false witness against him. She continues, verse 16, So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom he brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. Amen. And, and so this is what we need to, to, to really consider about Joseph's life is it's going to be, for a period of time, one thing after the other. Just when he thought maybe he was in a good place and look, things are going well for me and the Lord's with me and I'm prospering in Potiphar's house and now this? 
I was sold into slavery. Now she's going to lie about me and what's going to happen to me? I can guarantee what he thought was going to happen to him because he's working in the, in the house of an officer of Pharaoh and he's handling all of his affairs. So no doubt Joseph knew the law and what he would know about the law is that in a situation like this, it would mean death. Death. He's done for. Now, I don't know if he attempted to say anything uh, when he was brought before Potiphar. Scripture doesn't tell us as much. Um, what we do know is uh, in Exodus in chapter 14, verse 14, uh, it was encouraged to the armies there that were going into the promised land that the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Right? And, uh, and so, again, we, we, have, we, we don't know what, if any, defense Joseph attempted to make for himself, but he was a Hebrew slave. There, there was really not even, it, he may have not even been given a chance to share anything um, other than to trust, as we must also, that the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And guys, sometimes we find ourselves in places in life when we're wrongly accused, when things just aren't going our way, and it just seems like, man, I didn't have anything to do with this. And, and, and maybe in those moments, we want to give full vent to our anger, but Proverbs tells us only a fool gives full vent to his anger. There are times when we must be willing to just stop and to keep our mouths shut and to trust that, God, you go before me. You go before me. You'll fight for me. I need only be still. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so here, as all of this stuff is coming together, Joseph has to trust. Once again, okay, here we go again. Verse 19, So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Now it's interesting here, and many commentators agree, uh, with the question of who was his anger aroused against? Scripture doesn't necessarily tell us here, but what we do know is it was a capital offense in Egypt. He should have been put to death, yet we're going to see that he's thrown into prisoner with the king's prisoners. Suggesting that perhaps because of these actions, yes, he's going to have to be thrown in prison, but yet some mercy was shown him, and perhaps, and again, this is all speculation, that Potiphar here is saying, you're trouble, lady. Maybe this has been her pattern, Right? Because again, Joseph's life wasn't taken. Again, all speculation there, we don't know. Then Joseph's master, verse 20, took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. Now we'll see as we get into this next week and make our way into, uh, into chapter 40 and uh, the, the following two chapters that, that Joseph's going to meet some people in there. Um, the, the, the butler and the baker and the candlestick maker. I always... I always feel like you have to say that, don't you? <laughs> There's no candlestick maker, but I really feel like there should have been one in there in prison with him. But just the butler and the baker. Um, and he's going to have some interesting experiences with them too and, and continue to see that, that God, God's hand is on him. Uh, but also be, be betrayed in many respects too. Um, but we'll get there next week. So here he gets thrown into prison. In verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Now, we got to look at this for a moment here because I often know that when we are in places of trial and great difficulty, any of you right now, not to bring up you know, bad memories, but, but, but consider, here's an awful thing I went through in my life. And I think oftentimes in the midst of that, when we're really in a dark place, 
Sometimes somebody saying, hey, the Lord's with you doesn't always feel that encouraging. Maybe that's just me. Maybe you guys are more spiritual than I am. I can remember places that we've been in before and people would say, the Lord's with you. And there was part of me that just wanted to say, well, I wish he'd really show up. I wasn't mad at God necessarily, but just the sense of, is he? Is he with me right now? I mean, let's be honest. It's okay for us to, to recognize that in some of those moments, it's hard. It's really hard. But here we see it in Scripture that, that Joseph is, is now betrayed again, and now he's in prison. He's in another pit. He's got to be thinking, man, I hate these pits. Keep getting thrown in these pits. But it says, but the Lord is with him. And if we know that this is truth, then we know that, man, when we're in the pit, he's with us too. He is. That's the truth of Scripture. He's with you. We touched on this one on Sunday. Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. He's there. Romans 8, 28, that we can have confidence that he's working all things together for good. That yes, when you're in the pit, you can be confident God is here. So the Lord was with Joseph and he showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison, so look, it's almost like here's this parallel happening again. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. I mean, from my vantage point, this sounds like the making of a prison break, <laughs> right? I can't help but, but, but think of like some lazy prison guard who's just like, here, you do it. <laughs> right? I mean, I can't fathom this. Like, he's a prisoner. And you said, you, you take over. But... Whatever he's doing here, he prospers. And so this has to be the encouragement then that, God, you are with me. But he can't make sense of everything that's happening, but he knows, okay, Lord, you're with me. And so as he has done before, he continues to just give himself to it, knowing, man, even, even now, I'm in prison. This may be the end of me. I may never know anything other than this. But I am going to, in everything that I do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto man. I mean, what an example. I mean, when we find ourselves going to work someday and thinking, man, this place stinks. I don't like it here, you know. And maybe it does kind of. Maybe you're like, man, this is just, I don't love this job, but do you have the wherewithal to go? Man, Joseph was in prison again, and he was just serving the Lord. And to then go, Lord, I I want that. Lord, can I have that heart? Lord, I want that type of character. I want that integrity. Lord, I... I want to know that way. We should. We should want to know that. And so I would say to you this as, as, as we start to kind of bring this to a close. As we look at this chapter here tonight, we can see the Lord was with Joseph. And Joseph worked hard. And Joseph feared the Lord. And, and Joseph fleed from sin. And, and, and Joseph sought to, in every way, serve the Lord to the, to the best of his ability. And, and I would submit to you, as I did there at the very beginning, that because Joseph had perspective, 
Because Joseph had an awareness of truth, no doubt taught to him by his father, he was able to demonstrate integrity and character in such situations. And the same should be true for us. As we find ourselves in these difficult circumstances, we find ourselves just navigating life this side of heaven in a, in a lost and dying world, we should be able to live this same way if we have proper perspective. What is that perspective? I want to share with you three things here as we close that should help to give us the right perspective. Uh, the first of which, and if you're taking notes, you can write these down. In Isaiah, in chapter, in Isaiah chapter 57. Where's that? Yeah, you're okay. Isaiah ch- chapter 57, verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. The first thing I want us to understand here that's important for us to gain proper perspective is that he dwells in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. The first thing that we really need to consider as we're seeking to have proper perspective is, is there humility in our lives? Is there contrition? Is there a willingness for us to say, Lord, I don't, I don't deserve it. Lord, you're rescuing, transforming grace, your abundant mercy. Lord, I know I don't deserve it. And Lord, I find myself in this difficult place, longing to have a proper perspective. And I know that you're with those who are humble before you. And so Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my, my pride. I'm sorry for my, my selfishness, whatever it is. Lord, search my heart. Know me. See if there is any wicked way in me. Bring me to a place of humility before you. The Lord is with those who are in that place. The next thing I would want us to look at is in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Now this is Paul speaking here. You know this passage. And it's just before this um, that uh, Paul, in great humility, says basically, I went to heaven. I saw it. I saw a vision of paradise. I say he does this in humility because he says in verse 2, I I know a man. (laughs) I know this guy. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether uh, out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. This is a long time ago. I know this guy. He was, I don't know what happened exactly, but he saw heaven. And so then he goes on in verse 7 and say, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. So unless I would be exalted because I've seen heaven, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, and think about this. Anybody, anybody familiar with books that have been written about those who have seen heaven? It's a lot of bestsellers out there lest I would be exalted above measure. Paul says, I know a guy. He didn't say, here, I hope I become a bestseller. That's me. I don't mean to throw shade on him, but it's just interesting. So he said, lest I be exalted above measure concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So what's going on? Something's going on in in, in Paul. Most people believe that this is, in fact, an illness. A lot of people think it was related to his eyes. He references this in other letters, that he has a little difficulty with seeing. We don't know for sure. Something's going on that Paul is going to God and saying, God, would you please take this from me? And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We want perspective to be able to live with godly character and integrity in this age. Well, God dwells in the high and holy place with those who are humble and contrite. And, and, and His grace is sufficient so that when we're going through these difficulties, we can in fact say, God, You're enough. You're enough, Lord. How do we get there? Psalm 46. We'll close on this. Psalm 46. <clears throat> God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered His voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Consider the number of times in that passage that the psalmist declares, God, you're with us. You're with us. And so for us, do we want, to, do we, do we want the heart that Joseph has? Well, it requires humility. And yes, it's going to require some brokenness. And there may be some things that you go, God, I want this out of my life. But he says, no, I'll just give you more grace. And for us then to go, okay, God, you're with me. And if we need to, the second part of that psalm transitions to action. The first is the declaration of who God is, but then from there, the psalmist says, come, behold the works of the Lord. Remember, behold, that's, a, that's a, an exhortation to say, consider what God's done. If you're in this place and you're struggling a little bit to be able to go, I've got to remember how God has moved in my past. To remember what God has done. Come, behold the works of the Lord. And then from there, be still. Be still. Know that I am God. Translated literally, cease striving. Stop striving. Be still before Him. Know that He is God. Know that He will be exalted among the nations. That He will be exalted in the earth. Listen, this is, this is hardly a scenario that can be compared to that of what Joseph went through, but if you were to sometimes, and my wife would agree with this, no doubt, my kids included, hear me sometimes at the dinner table, especially if my dad is there and we get going on all the problems in the world. <laughs> you would say, man, you guys are striving right now. Oh, oh, up in arms about all these different things that are going on. Hannah heard me ranting and raving this morning in the office. I believe what I told her was I said, but yet the president hasn't called me yet to ask. I'm just waiting on that call, Joe. Right there in that camera, you call me. I got it all figured out, right? Anybody relate? No, it's just me. Okay, I got one, one little hand back there. All right, yeah, you liars. <laughs> I got it all figured out, right? Come on. I'm gonna, uh, uh. Would you be still? 
Would you cease striving? Would you just know that I'm God? I kind of know what's going on. Not surprised, right? God isn't going, what are they going to do? And he says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, amen? Oh man, if we have such perspective, then yes, in all of those circumstances we can say, God, you got this. God, you're working. All things together for good. You've got a plan. It's really hard, but you're with me. And man, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to show them what's up, <laughs> right? I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together here tonight, Lord. What a blessing, Lord, to be able to pray together, to worship together, to, to, to pray for Nathan as he goes to an exciting program, Lord. This is the stuff that I know pleases you. These are the things that are beneficial for us as the body to be a part of. And then, Lord, to consider your word and allow your Holy Spirit, Lord, to challenge us. And I pray that it has done just that and would continue to. Lord, help us to meditate upon these words, to apply them to our lives, Lord. Bring transformation, bring change, and continue to be with us as a body. Yes, Lord, if there are great trials ahead, head we will go through them together as the body of christ and we will know that you are with us lord and so in those moments lord help us to have proper perspective such that we can live in a way that's pleasing to you lord we can do it you've already done that work lord everything we need to live in such a way has been made available to us because of the cross of calvary and so lord we thank you for that and not just that lord but we look forward to that time when you say okay i'm bringing you home what a joy that will be Father, we love you, we praise you, we give you thanks, and we pray all this this evening in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here at CCNE, there are so many events happening throughout the week, so make sure you're subscribed to the weekly e-bulletin so you can be fully informed of all that we're doing. For more info, or if there are any prayer requests you would like to share with us, be sure to visit us at ccnortheast.org.